Darren here from Team Adams. We hope you've enjoyed the first batch of honours we've been able to bring you. The good news is, we'll have more first-hand accounts coming in the autumn. In the meantime, we've got lots more to tell you about the medals themselves, thanks to Mark Smith, a medal expert and military historian. Last time, he told us how the Victoria Cross came to be. That's the top tier, but what medal came next and why? So, what has actually happened is that we've given ourselves a problem because we have the highest award for bravery, the Victoria Cross. And then for the Royal Navy and for the Army, we have the Distinguished Conduct Medal and the Conspicuous Gallantry Medal. Round awards, round medals. Round awards go to other ranks. Crosses, medals in the form of a cross, go to officers. But the problem is, is that we don't have a structure. So you can either get a Distinguished Conduct Medal or a Victoria Cross. If what you have done is not considered worthy is not the right word, but not within that bracket, there's nothing to give you. Officers are also quite a problem because all they have got is a Victoria Cross. There isn't anything else at all. There is another order of chivalry called the Distinguished Service Order, the DSO, but it's not for gallantry. It is an award for meritorious work, really. We don't have anything that is a structured system of gallantry awards. We go through the Victorian period and we come to the Boer War. And in 1901, the Royal Navy are the first people to institute a medal for officers. So it's going to be in the form of a cross, which is going to try and start the process of a hierarchy of gallantry awards for the Royal Navy, but just for officers at this moment in time. So they have a Victoria Cross. There is the opportunity to award, in exceptional circumstances, a Distinguished Service Order. But there needs to be something else. There needs to be the lowest tier of gallantry award for officers. And they invent something called the Distinguished Service Cross. It is a cross and it is on a blue ribbon. Ribbons are very descriptive in that they actually show you things if you know about the medal ribbons themselves. So the colour of the Royal Navy, dark blue, same as their Victoria Cross ribbon, and now we have that echoed in this medal here. Now what happened next was is that in 14 years time from the inception of this, we have the First World War. And we have a problem now because people almost instantly are beginning to win medals. On the 23rd of August 1914, that's the first day, really, that the British Army goes into action in the First World War in any size, and that's the Battle of Mons. The first two Victoria Crosses are awarded, Lieutenant Deese and Private Godley. One posthumous, Lieutenant Deese was killed. The other one was awarded when Private Godley came home from being a prisoner of war for the entire war. We know now that Victoria Crosses can be awarded posthumously. So I asked Mark about how that changed. When the Victoria Cross was first instituted, it was not posthumous. There was an action in 1879. Most people remember the film Zulu and the action at Rourke's Drift. 22nd and the 23rd of January 1879. Most glorious day in British military history. 11 Victoria Crosses won by the defenders of the mission station. 
But the morning of the 22nd of January, 1879, is the biggest disaster the British military have ever had up to that moment. And that was when a column had crossed into Zululand that morning, leaving behind the people at Rourke's Drift to defend the river crossing. The column had split into two, and the northern part of the column had marched to the foot of a mountain called Isandalwana. They went into camp, they put their tents up, they started to cook dinners. There was 1,300-odd British soldiers and native contingents. And they were attacked sometime during the, the mid-afternoon period by a Zulu force that numbered somewhere between 18 and 20,000 Zulu. And they pretty much killed every single British soldier that was there. About 40 people got away from the battle. But there were two officers there of the 24th Foot, which will become the South Wales Borderers, Lieutenants Coghill and Melville. They'd both been wounded. They both worked out that the battle was lost and they tried to save the colours of the regiment. So they got the flag, they got the colours and they tried to ride off of the battlefield with it. They were seen by the Zulu. They got to a river crossing. Coghill got across. Melville, with the flag, didn't. And Coghill turned around to look for him and Melville was being surrounded by the Zulu. And Coghill was free away, he'd done it, got away. He went back to help him and they both got killed. And the flag was captured and taken to King Ketchewayo, the king of the Zulu. Now when this story of what Coghill and Melville had tried to do with the flag, the heart of the regiment really, the public in England said they must have a Victoria Cross. That's exactly what this is for. They were wounded, they tried to help each other, they tried to save the honour of the regiment. It's exactly what the Victoria Cross is about. It went to Queen Victoria and she said, well, I've read it, but um, you still have to be alive at the end of the action. They said, your majesty, look, look what they did. She said, no, I agree, but, but the statute says you have to be alive. They said, well, your majesty, would you change the statute? And she said, no. For the rest of her reign and her life, she was petitioned for Coghill and Melville. And when Edward VII came to the throne, he too was petitioned. But it wasn't until 1907 that he eventually relented and he changed the statute of the Victoria Cross and he made it posthumous. And the second thing he did that day was to backdate two Victoria Crosses for Coghill and Melville. So they did get their VCs in the end. But once the First World War starts, we've only got the Victoria Cross, a very difficult to award Distinguished Service Order, the new Distinguished Service Cross for the Royal Navy, for other ranks, a conspicuous gallantry medal and a distinguished conduct medal, but nothing else. But almost instantly, soldiers and sailors are beginning to do some amazing things on the battlefield and they need recognition, but there isn't anything to give them because the DSO isn't quite right. The distinguished conduct medal is a very high award and the Victoria Cross is the ultimate. So what happened during the First World War is that echoing the idea of the Distinguished Service Cross for the Royal Navy for officers, the army in 1914, December, they institute the Military Cross. Now this is the gap filler. So this is the first level of gallantry, then the Distinguished Service Order, and then a Victoria Cross. Next time, Mark talks about the eligibility of gallantry awards and why it can be a tricky business. And there's a new kid on the block, the Royal Air Force, who have been needing their own honours. We'll be bringing you more stories behind individual honours in the autumn.
If you know someone we should be speaking to, email podcast at bfbs.com. And in the meantime, keep enjoying more tea every fortnight. That's all for now. Other than to say, if you're enjoying the series, please rate it, leave us a review and share it where you can. Thank you.